0: There, and uh, welcome to We've Been Had, the show where we we talk about albums for your listening pleasure. Because uh, we're gentlemen, <laughs> exactly. We are just here to entertain and enlighten. Uh, the deal. I'm ahead of myself. I'm Keith Pilley. and I'm Chad Cook. And uh, the deal, as always, is that we take turns picking an album, and then we both go off and listen to it, and you know, read about it, and whatever, and come back. Uh, This time around, it was my pick. I went with a record that sometimes I feel like I'm fighting a lonely war on behalf (laughs) of. Um, You know, and uh, more of that, I guess. Uh, This is Sleater Kinney's The Center Won't Hold. Um, Came out August 2019 on Mom and Pop Records, which is, I can't say that's a label that has taken up a lot of space in my head.
1: Yeah, it's not like you're like. Well, this isn't really a thing anymore. It used to be that you would go and be like, "I need to get everything that's on Sub Pop or yeah. it's on you know some yeah.
0: record label." Now it's now just, it's sort of that's probably a good thing, but but it you know it does it like takes down this easy way into stuff. Uh, anyway, recorded in twenty eight to twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. I actually I couldn't find out where, which is odd, but. You know, that's modern technology too. It's
1: Tom Elmhurst for you. <laughs>
0: Tom Elmhurst, he's
1: the uh, mixer. The,
0: yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. It. I was surprised that it was not mixed by the band or Annie Clark.
1: Yeah. Um, he. I mean, he actually. I looked him up. But not to bury the lead that Andy Clark, St. Vincent, is the one who produced it. Yeah. But uh, and I don't know if if this is even a thing, but I mean, Tom Elmhurst mixed up. David Bowie's Black Star album. Really? Yeah. Huh. Reflector by Arcade Fire. Okay. Mass Seduction, Saint Vincent, which makes sense. Uh-huh. It looks like he's also worked with like Adele and Amy Winehouse and uh-huh. the Black Keys. So the man can mix. Yeah, you know, it's. It, I don't know how much mixing really. I mean, the it's, record does sound very. This record uh-huh. does sound very
0: clean. Mixing, it's a big deal. Like it's, you know, that that's. I, I feel like I'm. I feel like I am pretty good at recording and, like, mixing is where I always fall short. Like, I think it's the hardest fucking thing. And, like, yeah, you know, I guess it's kind of interesting. Like, I never thought about, like, is there, like, the, the, the go-to mixing man? But it makes sense that there would be. That's
1: So if you're the mixer, are you responsible for all the, like, so if you record it with, like, whatever, 64 tracks? Yeah. You know, like, Yankee, Hokotel, Foxtrot, where they've got, like, all these tracks of different weird instruments. Yeah. That, you're, you're responsible for setting the
0: levels, on yeah, so. and balancing it all so that it you know so that it all makes sense to each other, and you're kind of making choices about how the record's gonna sound, you know, because like then you're the guy who's like, okay, second verse, this guitar goes way up, you know, and I'm sure the band is giving him, you know, input on that, but uh, it's like like it's it's definitely not a like just hit a button and let the thing do its own thing
1: it's not like being the executive producer <laughs> exactly. uh, and, while you're also starring in the project
0: exactly it's uh yeah no like it, that's it's kind of fascinating that there's and it's interesting that he did all of those albums because like all of those are pretty good sounding albums so i guess salute to the man yeah
1: mr elmhurst
0: hmm. Uh, but yeah, so back to the Tombstone stuff, like you said, produced by St. Vincent. I think it's kind of interesting that she, um, you know, that it, it says that and not produced by Annie Clark because so she's in character when she's.
1: It's, brand, it's branding. Keith. Yeah,
0: Marketing 101. Um, I didn't know this, but apparently originally Jeff Tweedy was going to be part of the production.
1: And it would have sounded very different. Very
0: different. Jeff Tweedy is. He already kind of haunts this show like right, a ghost. Yeah. Um, he's going to be haunting this episode like a ghost. Uh, so description of the album, you know, I, I, I picked it. I'll try to describe it. Like leaving out all the context that I know we're going to get into very soon. I'd say this record just sounds like a very well-executed, noisy art rock, you know, 21st century record with two women trading off singing a lot of angular guitars, lots of electronic noises, lots of drums both acoustic and electronic.
1: And I think the I think we'll probably touch on this but the the drum production and vision was was sufficient enough to drive the drummer out of the band.
0: Yeah, so let's let, let's that's wild. That I I'm you know I I would love to know, like, what the actual dynamics of that were. I I mean,
1: I don't know, but I I would guess that, you know, there's probably a combination that there was already some tension. Yeah. And then also, you know, this this record has a lot of drums that are live, but sound like drum machine drums. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if you're, like, a purist drummer... Yeah. you're like that's the last thing I want is to sound like a drum machine yeah right? I want to sound yeah. like
0: it, it's too bad that she left too because like I, I think we've talked about this on another show where we were, we were talking about things that Dave Friedman produced and he produced the Slater Kenny album the woods and like on the first song of the woods like I just I, I think it's one of my favorite just parts in any song ever is when Janet Weiss just like like there's a break in the song. And she just murders her drum set like, right there, and like I, I I don't know anyone else who can pull shit like that off. And like it's you you really lose something losing her,
1: especially in the in the context of a, like a Sleater Kinney album, right? Like, because yeah. just the way that the way that it's they're mixed is gonna is not gonna be like it's not gonna be like John Bonham drum solos, right? Yeah, like it's it's just sort of you have to do your best within the confines of the music
0: well and but uh, so that is a thing like with Sleater Kinney, you know with older sleeter Kinney, like i ugh, i mean I, i'm trying to figure out how far back i want to take this but um you know their thing always used to be that it was two guitars and drums and no bass and i was really put off by that back in the day because i was like you gotta have a bass
1: Yeah, well you're bass players I, I,
0: yeah i was um and you know and I, I think like the you gotta have a bass thing, you know, it came from a, it came from the good place of hating the doors. But, uh, I do think it was too prescriptive. But um, you know, having no bass I think probably always made left more room for Weiss to you know, like, like there's just there's twenty five percent less instrument there Yeah, to,
1: I mean to you're compete. the you are the rhythm section. Yeah. I um I and I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I had heard some blowback on the the Doors no basis thing that they actually used a studio bassist when they recorded. Oh, really? Uh, but I've not fact checked that. Fact I, check that. I, I, but that was always a thing, right? Like that was like that was like I think Robbie Krieger was annoying about the fact that he kept telling people that they didn't have a bass
0: player. Yeah. You know, okay, this this has nothing to do with Slater kinney at all, but I keep thinking I just it has popped into my head a couple of times. I'm jealous of people who are like 10 years younger than us, you know, and everyone else like, you know, past that, everyone born 1985 and after just has never never had to have an opinion about the Doris and is never gonna have to have an opinion about the Doors. And like, God bless them, like.
1: That's yeah, I mean a lot of the great, a lot of the, although a lot of the great fights are dead, right? Like, you know, like the Doors, the Eagles, no, yeah. you know,
0: the the Beatles, Stones rivalry. Like, you don't I mean, have who to. Cares? You don't
1: even have to get involved. I mean, yeah. you're more concerned with the, you know, Smashing Pumpkin Weezer rivalry.
0: Is that a real thing?
1: I don't think so. I oh. just I think I just made that up.
0: Well, because I mean, like you know, there, there's the Smashing Pumpkins pavement rivalry, which is. <laughs> Is real and stupid.
1: Just because they took that one shot at them in uh, range life.
0: I I don't want to I don't want to shatter any illusions here, but I think Billy Corgan's thin is a little or Billy Corgan's skin is a little thin.
1: Yeah, I can see that. But, um, I can see that.
0: I think he, he may not take a jape well. Um... So swinging back around to to Sleater-Kinney and this record, like I, I like this record a lot. You know, spoiler alert, but I know that a lot of old Sleater-Kinney heads just fucking hate it. Um, and you know, like, like the I was looking at old reviews, and the John Pirellis in the Times just you know just is fucking Captain Jack Aubrey launching a broadside against how much he hates this record. Because it changed, you know, and it's not, you know, they're a different band now, and it's not the sound he wanted. And... I mean, I
1: think that's okay, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds to me a lot like a Saint Vincent album. Yeah, like I think her, she knows what she likes, and you know, it's it's just it's different than the other Sleater Kinney or the previous Sleater Kinney albums. Yeah, but I don't think that has to be a bad thing.
0: I think that's a good thing. I think like if you if you like a band and you want them to if you like a band and they manage to achieve longevity and you know and that's pretty fucking rare that's a miracle there but how do you not want them to like grow and change you know even if they grow and change in a direction that you don't want to go like so I mean the weird thing for me with this is, is like I was kind of I, I liked Sleater Kinney before you know I, I kind of stepped on a little bit around um all hands on the bad one. I think that was like 2000. You know, like I, I liked them, but like wasn't like a super fan. And like, I didn't really kick into anywhere near super fandom, maybe at the woods. But like, I just, I don't have the attachment to the original, to the older stuff. And like, I really like their newer stuff. But I, you know, I don't know about you. I think you might be in the same boat where like, I'm kind of in the opposite position with Wilco where i loved you know loved the early sound at the time yeah yeah and i you know continued to love the early sound but like you know they 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 grew they changed and it was not for me but like i don't want to be the guy i don't want to be the bad fan who is like yeah man this band left me and fuck them you know i think you have to just be gracious and be like it's great that a band i like is still making music and if it's not what it used to be, it it doesn't need to be. And like I'm just I'm glad they're still there.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm sure that well, I guess it's probably not true. Do you think there are Beastie Boys fans who are fans of them as like a punk hardcore band?
0: <laughs> there were like six kids in New York And they're
1: just like livid that they've Yeah. I mean I do think that's a that's a generational thing too, that like when you're now growing up now where you have access to all this music there aren't i don't think there are as many of the camps that yeah you know like one person has this sleater kenny bootleg and they're
0: yeah.
1: you know kind of it's part of their like musical cred that they that they have this and they're yeah. they're going to go to bat for as kenny yeah.
0: band. yeah were you were you ever like i don't know were you ever into them were you uh... into
1: them yeah i mean i didn't get into them though until i think the woods was the first album that that I bought. Um, yeah. And then um, I kind of, you know, like, I have a complicated relationship with the shirt Portlandia. Yeah. Like, I really liked it at first, and then I felt like it was the same joke over it, and it over again.
0: ran out of gas pretty bad.
1: And so that was, like, it's hard for me not to ding Sleater Kinney because Carrie Brownstein is...
0: Yeah, I, you know, I like her so... Just every... Interview I see of hers, and then like read, read her book. I just I enjoy her as a person so much that um, I'm happy to put all of my beefs with Portlandia. You know, I'm, I'm happy to give her credit for the things I like and blame Fred Armisen for the things I don't like.
1: Yeah, that's um,
0: you know I, I'm not being fair, but you know I'm not paid to be fair. It's
1: kind of the same calculus that uh, I go through with uh, the band Faces. Yeah, like I love faces but i fucking hate rod stewart like it's a weird
0: yeah yeah <laughs> you just you know ronnie lane's ronnie lane and ron wood are, get all the credit for the good stuff i guess ron yeah stewart gets I, the, credit for the bad stuff
1: you know like i just i and i my beef primarily with rod stewart is just like the craziness of which old ladies ascribe to like rod stewart's sexiness <laughs>
0: Like, you're threatened by it. I'm not threatened by it. Or I'm you're, confused you're by threatened it. threatened
1: by it. <laughs> like I just don't understand it. Like
0: <laughs> I don't know. You know, jealousy of Rod Stewart. It's okay. You can.
1: <laughs> yep, I love. Like there are some Faces albums I really love. Oh,
0: they're they're so good. They're really fucking good. Weird. Qu- quite. Oh, um. Let's see. I'm just looking for more uh, more contextual stuff I wanted to get out on this. So this was... I we I don't think we really got into this. This was Sleater Kinney's second album after coming back from a long hiatus where people thought they had broken up. Um, you know, it's this weird arc. They released The Woods. It seemed like they were done. Then when they came back, they came back a lot weirder. But, I mean, The Woods was pretty weird anyway. It's pretty
1: so. weird. It's not like it's not like a really straightforward album
0: yeah but so that's part of why i think it's so strange that they that people react to this one so oddly because it is like two albums after the woods um you know it's it's like it it should not be a surprise at this point that this isn't like a two guitar punk band
1: yeah I i think one of the challenges though is that you don't you don't make it as a critic as a rock critic by you know like launching superlatives
0: true yeah you
1: know like you you make it because you're you know you're willing to take the tough stand yeah
0: yeah but you know I, like it isn't just Pirellis that's doing that I've also I have heard the same sentiment from you know from people I know online who are just like um yeah, the least charitable thing is people saying like well they sound middle-aged and I mean, well, fucking course they do. They are middle aged, and like that's part of what I love about this record. Honestly, is that like, you know, when we start talking song by song, like just over and over, I'm going to be saying that this sounds like, you know, an emotionally intelligent. Look at
1: what part of like what band other than like the Ramones maybe (laughs) like didn't (laughs) didn't evolve into like a more mature subject matter right right?
0: like Like, like, uh, you know this is again like how can you not want this for for a band um i don't know i don't know
1: it's a it's a strange take but i do think that that people get like like i remember when the pixies came back and released their first pixies album um people were just in up in arms about that it wasn't you know you know it wasn't it i mean it wasn't a great album honestly. <laughs> but it you know it's not like i don't think you can expect them to go back and like oh we're gonna make surfer rosa again
0: yeah yeah you know they're they're a tough case because like i i did i don't have any like i the the string of albums you know like every album that they released you know before the first breakup, like I'm just they're all great. I don't have any interest in anything they've done since. Um, you know, and I think like no Kim Deal, no band, but I don't like fault them for you know, like if this is what they want to do and it's fun for them, like that's fine. I'm you know, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna shit talk it. I just don't have any interest in it.
1: Yeah, but it's this is weird. I think people just want there's something in people sometimes that wants to not like Not like the new thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I hear a dog asking to go out. I'm going to pause. Okay, we're back. Dog is back inside. Um, So there's one other context thing I wanted to talk about that, again, I think is going to come up a thousand times in the songs. But uh, So I, I don't know about you, but I have this thing where, like, music gets really tied up in my head with just like memories and time and stuff and like for me this record is just like in you know impossibly tangled up with the time when it came out uh, you know so late 2019 which is like the, the ground down stretch at the end of the Trump years but before COVID so, Right. you know like it was like, like a, a different dystopia from the dystopia that we're in now um and you know and and like I, I think this album is like a reaction you know like through and through this album is a reaction to that time and like it was kind of this like hopeful thing for me then um, you know before COVID <laughs> um, I just I remember like when they were touring they they when they were touring this record they played in St. Paul in October of 19 and that show was just nuts because it you know it, for one thing like it it I haven't been to a college reunion, but it felt like one. It just ah. felt like, you know, everyone... Uh, like, Even... I, I saw a few people I recognized, but it, everyone there just looked like they lived somewhere in Spooner Hall in 1996. Um, you know, but then the show was, was just fucking great, and, you know, they're performing this material, and, like, I remember coming out of that with this, like, crazy feeling of hope, you know, and just, like... Like it was this beautiful thing like music can empower you and i'm like yeah you know maybe we can maybe we can win maybe we can turn this around um <laughs> and then COVID happened and uh, you know it's, i mean maybe the we're we're in a different place now at least but but to me like this album is that time is just on and on
1: yeah i mean i think that's that is an impactful thing i mean i have the same thing with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, like,
0: in 9-11. Yeah, yeah. That's extremely much so. Did you... So... He must have. With Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, um, our friend Tom somehow had managed to get a copy of the record. You know, it was like... I think this was the last of his weird bootleg connections. So he had a copy of it while it was still in rights limbo, and like, had you know, I know I had a burned copy of it from him, you know, in two thousand one, before nine eleven. Um, and did he, did he? Yeah, he did. did. Yeah. And, and so like, like it was this weird thing where, like, if I had not had it before nine eleven, like I would have assumed that most of the record was about nine eleven. But
1: because well, the interesting thing is, then after nine eleven was when they released it for free.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, so, like, all this stuff that... I don't... I, I guess that's just the thing about good art, is that, like, it often... It, it's like a gong where it's just waiting to resonate, and, you know, like, that record just wound up resonating. Um, this one, you know, like, like this one, the resonance of this to the late Trump years is definitely not accidental, you know? Like, it's, it's not subtext, it's text, but... Uh,
1: yeah, so I mean, we'll it, maybe we can we can probe that a little bit with the first song because yeah. I feel sometimes like the center won't hold is sort of is sort of where we're at now with what feels like sort of a uh, non-sustainable system.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, definitely, I, I agree. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, it's such a great phrase. It's uh, you know, this is it, it's tied to. William Butler Yeats, The Second Coming. Um, I was going to hit you with the whole, the, the, the first verse. Well, no, let's do the, it. The, so we got turning and turning, ah, turning and turning in the widening gyre. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood t- dimmed tide is loosed. And everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. And then there's there's a second verse that's hardercore. Uh, so
1: essentially, don't participate, be lethargic. <laughs> yes, exactly. If we were going to boil that down.
0: We <laughs> wanted to, yeah, exactly. It's, it's well trodden ground. Um, no, but it just, it, it, it fucks with my head that they have this album that is about their experience in the late Trump years. They're referencing this, you know, this very well-known apocalyptic poem that is so well-known that the night of the first um, Trump-Clinton debate, I was sitting around and I had a couple of Furiouses, and I I was just like fucking boiling in dread and started tweeting out that poem line by line. It's
1: like the rhyme of the ancient Mariner. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, it was just uh, So, I, I guess maybe that's part of why I feel such an affinity for this record, is that like it, just, it seems like they're riding the same rails on the same shit that I am. Um,
1: Point of order, I believe the plural of furious is furiae.
0: <laughs> I believe you're correct. Um, I, after... Uh, I have trouble after Mad Max Fury Road not just calling that beer Furiosa...
1: Oh, that w- that would be good too. That's you know that, they should just change it to that.
0: They should if they had any sense and make the make the cans shiny and chrome. Musically, so musically the center won't hold. Like it's weird. Like this isn't a great song. Like when they started the show with this, the you know the show that I was just rhapsodizing about, I was live. They're doing this. and I'm like, oh fuck, this isn't this isn't going to be that good, is it? Um, but I don't think it. it I don't think it's working as a song really. It's like here to be this like fanfare to the rest of the album. You know, kind of the same way London Calling is on London Calling where it's just like, here's like this, you know, laying out like this is the sound, this is the agenda. And like, I think on that level it works pretty well. because like this album merits a fanfare. And it this also tells you that like, okay, this is not gonna sound like previous Slater Kinney albums.
1: Yeah, there aren't a lot of industrial ballads on the previous <laughs> uh, Cedar Kidney albums. At least the ones I've listened to. A little short on those. Uh, but I do like the way it ends as like a punk rock banger. Yeah. Like, it's... if you've got a good line, like the center won't hold, just start screaming it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, again, going back to Could Do, it is, you know, it's the New Day Rising technique. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if that was. You know, like I—I I don't think they were like we're going to repeat New Day Rise. Right? You know, we're going to it on New Day Rising, but like that has to be a record that they know and is in their heads.
1: I mean, there's no what you drinking. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if that's on New Day Rising. Okay. I think it
0: is. God, that.
1: How to skin a cat?
0: That is. We we got ma- we got to do that record sometime. Yeah, like, that'd be fun. That's a good one. Um, yeah, you know, so like like I don't know. It's weird, like, I, I can't defend this on its own as, like, a great song, but I still kind of love it in its context, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if nothing else, it's a, to use a dandy, fancy term, you know, amuse-bouche It and is the rest of the record. I
0: think that's exactly what it is. You know, and I do think, like, I, again, like, in 2019, that's what it fucking felt like, you know, like... It feels like that now. It does now. To some level, because of continuing shit from 2019, and to some level, you know, because of new shit we've cooked up since 2019. Um, fuck. It sucks living through history. Yeah. I wish Francis Fukuyama had been right. Um, But he was not. (sighs) Um... (laughs) so to me to me the album really you know the the actual like songs kick in with hurry on home
1: and yeah, uh, so did you do you get like a I mean I feel like and I feel like I had this observation a couple times but like I feel like hurry, hurry on home to me sounds like like if you know like you had a collab between Liz Fair and m83 yeah
0: I think that's 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 a good that's a really good encapsulation of this record and and like that's also like that's that's a good combo that's a thing I would want to hear and I like this song like
1: yeah it's got I mean it's got some really cool like I mean they're kind of self-loathing lyrics but
0: yeah I yeah I mean yeah uh, but I think they're they're self-loathing in an interesting way where they're like So the thing I'm going to talk about again and again, I guess, is like this record to me feels like emotionally mature people in their 40s dealing with the shit you deal with in your 40s, you know, and some of that is relationships and some of that is just what fucking society does to you in general, but especially, you know, by the time you're in your 40s, Um you know, they're coming at it from the point of view of being women, and so, like, I, I can't... I, I, you know, that's definitely not lived experience that I have, but, you know, it's lived experience... You've
1: it, never felt you were grand slammable? <laughs>
0: I have not. Um, you know, but I think, like, it, it's it's experience that I live next to, and it, it's kind of good to, you know, it's just it's, it's a point of view that's valuable. So, you know, like, all the shit about I'm unlovable, I'm unfuckable, like... That absolutely, you know, I I know what it's like to have an internal monologue that is just like, let me list off the ways that you are no good, um, and I think it's fucking great and awesome to like turn that around in and make it a rock song. And
1: yeah, and I mean, I think sometimes it's, I mean, this is probably not what they're going for, but it's helpful just for other people to know that they're not the only ones that thinking that
0: way. Yeah. I think uh, I, I think that's exactly what they're going for. I think that's that's a big part of why they're doing it. And it's awesome, it's it's awesome to me that you cite Liz Fair there because like I think that's you know that that's why we all lo- loved Exile and Guyville so much because it's the same, you know, it, it, removing the middle-aged part of it, like it's also a very just like emotionally aware like I'm going to use music to explore what it's like to be a person with feelings.
1: Um, yeah, it's a so really—that's a very raw record. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, but it, yeah, there's actually—I mean, I don't want to—I don't want to jump ahead, but what song was it that I thought? I actually think "Restless" could be could be on Exile and Guyville.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I I would not have come up with that on my own, but when you say that, I'm just like, yes, absolutely. So this one, like, you know, if, if, the, if the point of the first song was partly to announce, like, this is not going to sound like the old Sleater-Kinney, it really doesn't. It just, it sounds, you know, I guess when you said it sounded like a St. Vincent song, it kind of does. It sounds like a conventional, you know, 21st century noise rock song. With some guitar and some noise and like the the ah noises in the background that like pan back and forth that's that's straight St. Vincent I mean I think what St.
1: Vincent does really well and what they do really well on this album is is just capture the feeling yeah of this like what the what the author is feeling
0: yeah I was reading a little about like what you know what she brought to the production process one thing that I thought was interesting was um she Clark had them, like, do vocal takes, do different vocal takes of the same song, like, at different parts of the day, to try and catch them in different moods, to see, like, you know, how do you sing this when you're tired? How do you sing this when you're, you know, fresh and just ate? You know, like, um, and, you know, and I have no idea, like, what kind of mood was prevalent when they, you were know, you know, But you know, it it just it like you can't argue with the results. I don't think. I think like this this song just has such a great urgency.
1: Yeah, I mean, have you ever heard the argument that you can't make a good blues song if you're not like, if you're like rich and happy? Yeah. Like I feel like like sometimes it's unfortunate for the person, but really great art comes out of really uncomfortable
0: things. Yeah, definitely. Have you seen the onion thing? (laughs) Uh, middle-aged white man enjoys causes the blues <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs>
1: that's that's good i like that
0: those onion guys they yeah. they, they got a future <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Although, I, I feel like I, I still miss the print edition of the onion i do too like that was such a like that was such a minneapolis thing that we had we had a print edition that
0: that, was... man you know like Okay, so I was not OG on Slater Kenny. I, you know, I got in late there, but like I am very proud that I, I have some OG cred on the Onion. Like I, you know, I read a couple of the like Madison only editions, just that happened to like make their way out to Morris. I'm like, yeah, either. that's
1: because that's where it started, right? At yeah, Madison.
0: yeah. Uh-huh. I, I feel like. All of the cool energy of of the state of Wisconsin, you know, for like the next fifty years, got mortgaged just to be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna put everything we have into making the onion, and it's gonna be so fucking cool. And then just like the state will have some problems
1: after. Yeah, I mean, you just can't you can't go to the well too many times, right? Like, yeah, there's just so many other touch point Wisconsin things.
0: <laughs> Tommy Bartlett show.
1: Tommy Bartlett show. Yeah, I don't know. The oh. genesis of cheap trick.
0: I thought they were from Illinois.
1: They are from Illinois, but Robin Zander was working at uh, in the Wisconsin Dells. Oh, as a vocalist.
0: Okay, man. I don't know Wisconsin. Um. So the la- the last thing on Hurry On Home, I just I really like the You've gotten Me Used to Loving You. You've Got Me Used to Loving You. Like that's kind of good i don't know if they were ever i mean they were a i hate the argument of like well who's punk and who's not i don't know if they were ever a punk band but they were at least a punk-ish band and you know like i like the points on this album where like they kind of rev back up to
1: i mean i think energy. they're I think punk adjacent
0: I definitely mean, yeah
1: it's you know but like as as we've learned specifically. Uh, with a very specific example of Green Day, other people have different views of what is punk. Than yes, I
0: do. yes, it's just it's you know we're all blind men in the room with an elephant.
1: I, I guess it's I don't know it. I think it's more it's more of an ethos. Punk is more of an ethos than it is an actual tangible thing.
0: I think you're right. I think that's you know that's the only way to explain the Minutemen. Um, who often...
1: I don't have time for that discussion. That's going to take forever.
0: (laughs) I did notice reading up on Slater-Kinney history in general, people no one ever out and out compares them to the Minutemen, but people often talk about their precision and economy which is like those are the adjectives people use to talk about the Minutemen.
1: Yeah, I mean if you use the word economy, that's that's (laughs) That's, that's a Minutemen reference.
0: Yeah. Uh, um anything else on hurry on home
1: no no it's uh jammiko on reach out
0: what do you think about reach out well so i i
1: I like it um it did the first time I heard it I thought it sounded a little depeche Modi for my taste
0: you are not so that's not a thing that I heard but but like reading around, you're definitely not the only person saying that
1: but looking at the lyrics it's uh it reminds me a little bit of that uh, Tegan and Sarah album Okay. that came out in like, I don't know, maybe 2005.
0: Yeah, the, the one with Walking With a ghost. Yeah, exactly.
1: Where it was just like, it was just a really like introspective record about like what it's like to live with, you know, like just paralyzing self-doubt. Yeah. And that's kind of what I got out of this.
0: Yeah, like, same. I I cannot figure out if... I think you can kind of look at it both ways. Maybe this song is about something physical that happened that, you know, just putting my own biases on feels like falling into Lake Superior (laughs) or something. You know, there's something about falling in water and making it to shore and not being able to breathe. Um, So it it might be a physical thing. But I also, I think it's probably more likely about, like... Depression and a panic attack, and having someone who can help you—you um, know—which is how you deal with that shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, darkness is winning again. yeah I'm losing my head. You know, it just as, but it does at the end. It's somewhat hopeful. Reach yeah. out. I can't fight. I can't fight without you, my friend.
0: Yeah, you have someone, and that—that that is how you deal with that shit. Um, you know, and at the same time, like. <sighs> I mean, just how did we all feel in 2019? You know, like that was uh, not that I'm not like just boiling in anxiety now, but 2019 like, fuck, you know, you'd you'd, just every day would be this like new slate of outrages and worries. And
1: yeah, luckily that's all gone away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just duckies and bunnies now. That's
1: right. How we got good times, Joe Biden. We're we're good. Oh. But yeah, no, I I think the interesting, just looking back at that time period and how shitty we all thought it was, it was sort of like the universe doing the old hold my beer, (laughs) like watch
0: this. (laughs) You think this is bad, huh? (laughs) It's like,
1: I'm going to cut you off from all social contact for 18 months.
0: That's a year and a half in in a fucking submarine sound. (laughs) Oh, um, I uh, sonically a thing i appreciate about this song is how just like the verses are really wide wide open and then you know the chorus like just kind of erupts with noise and uh that's that's pretty great
1: yeah i mean it's a power it's a very powerful song it just is you know like i it it always it's good that... It's good that people are putting those feelings out there. Yeah. So that, like, you know, you don't feel alone when you're feeling like that. But it must be really hard to, to commit to putting that out on an album. Yeah. That, you know, like, your family's gonna read and your friends are gonna read.
0: Well, so, you know, for the ghost of Jeff Tweedy to step on stage again, I kind of have this theory that... I was listening back to our old Uncle Tupelo episodes. And, you know, and, and I... Like, Fucking multiple times an episode, I talk about how, like, that era of Jeff Tweedy, you know, every song was just like, I have feelings, let me tell you about them in plain English. I have other feelings, let me tell you about them in plain English. You know, and that ramps up um, through, you know, a Summer Teeth-ish. But Summer Teeth, like, is pretty fucking dark, you know, and at that For point, sure. he's like, you know, he's... Laying his feelings out, but they're like, it's just like, oh, fuck. And, like, I honestly think that the reason he pivoted to I'm just, you know, every song is going to be, like, a collection a, of gnomic words that don't mean. I'm an
1: American aquarium drinker. Yeah.
0: You know, just, I, I, I think he either felt like people didn't want to see his soul bared out anymore or just, you know, was uncomfortable doing it anymore because it is so hard to like take your problems and put them out in song form and, you know, and have your family.
1: Unless you're Leonard them. Cohen. Yeah. I mean,
0: it. <laughs> but so you know a lot more about Leonard Cohen than I do, but isn't Leonard Cohen's basic point of view, just like fuck everyone anyway.
1: Like, kind of, except for don't go home with your heart on.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. Leonard Cohen. Um, speaking of songs with the, you know, with feelings smeared all over, can I go on? Like, I, this is, this is just such a beautifully raw song. You know, this, this again, like, this feels like someone else's brain just smeared all over the speakers, and I look at it, and I recognize this brain, and... You know, at the very least, I'm like, oh well, I'm not the only one. Okay.
1: Do the uh, yeah the the cool thing is, I feel like the guitar fills sound very St. Vincent. Yes.
0: Like, I I have that exact note down.
1: Like it has that feel, you know. Like she could tell she really likes that aesthetic. Yeah. And I yeah. I mean I honestly think it's perfect on this song. Yeah. Um, it is you know just a like I mean I I was a little bit upset that it, it's not a homage to the violent Femmes song but
0: um, <laughs> speaking of wisconsin using up all their cool on the union
1: oh yeah that's uh, what I, I was gonna say that because I, I ended up going to that breeders violent Femmes right, show and it was a little bit like a reunion of people from wisconsin that were maybe 10 years older than us okay that had like grown up watching the violent femmes play in like bar bands makes sense yeah you know, and they're like, "How many of these shows have you been to?" And I'm like, uh, "This would be the first one," and I'm really just kind of here to see the preachers.
0: <laughs> Way to go, noob!
1: But it was uh, it was interesting because it was like clearly a community that yeah. had formed. Yeah, um, you know, just kind of a weird community.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, bands have their people. Yeah,
1: I. But, uh, but back to the task at hand.
0: Yeah, I. To me, th- this song. Uh, to me this song is the US national anthem you know 2017 to present just like a couple times a week I'm feeling this song
1: true I mean it's got just some just some really really cool like I really like the chorus yes you know like it it just it's simple but it's like you know maybe I'm not sure I want to go on and then it's I
0: want to go on yeah because that is that that's the exact fucking dialogue loop that that we're all doing um
1: it's like should we just blow this thing up
0: (sighs) okay no no we'll we'll do it we'll keep going I I I love the vocals I so I'm realizing I I always thought this was Brownstein singing um now I'm not sure and you know they're like the Beastie Boys. I can always tell which one of them is singing. Yeah, The Beatles. The Beatles, yeah. you know. Uncle Tupelo, you know. Um,
1: Uncle Tupelo is pretty easy. Yeah, Uncle it's Tupelo like, a, it's like a binary choice. The so.
0: easiest. Of
1: one high, one
0: low. I, I am not as good at telling which member of Slater Kinney is singing as, as I thought. So I was gonna I was all set to say like, Carrie Brownstein sings the shit out of this, but I don't know that, that I have that right.
1: I'm not sure who sings it. Honestly, Um, they have—they're different, but they do. They at times they sound—they sound similar. Yeah,
0: they they both have zones where I can tell for sure that okay, that that's 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 Brownstein, that's Tucker. But but I guess there's a middle zone where just I get confused. To me, okay, so there's a line in this that never made sense to me if it was Brownstein singing, but makes more sense if it's Tucker singing. Um, when when she says everyone I know is funny, but jokes don't make us money, um, I always thought that was odd. You know, assuming Brownstein is singing, it's odd that like a person who was half of a hit comedy show is like specifically.
1: I think um, it's even weirder if it's Tucker, because it's, sort of it's sort of almost like an insult, right? Like,
0: well, no, because, I mean, so I guess I, I have no idea what the financials are of, you know, were behind Portlandia, and maybe everyone got screwed. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if, if it's Tucker singing, and she's like, oh, I saw my friend get ripped off. My friend is funny, but she didn't make any money off of it. You know, like, that's that's an observation that's pretty interesting. If it's Brownstein, like you know, again, maybe she got ripped off on the show, and I, I don't know. It's just it, 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 it has always landed with me weird, but not any way that I'm like, oh my god, I've I've detected hypocrisy. This is terrible. so it's
1: not a it's not a Smashing Pumpkins pavement situation.
0: <laughs> it is not.
1: I believe the Stone Temple Pilots are also referenced in that song. They as are as elegant, bas- elegant
0: bachelors. Yeah. Which is, you know... When I, uh, think
1: of, when I think of heroin addiction, I think elegance.
0: <laughs> exactly. Nothing more <laughs> elegant in the world than a junkie. Oh, um, this song, I, I, I like the, the bridge around 220 is just, hey, let's make some fucking noise. That, I assume, is...
1: That's sort of a St. Vincent Hallmark, right? Yeah. Like, just sort of, like, when in doubt, just let's throw some noise in just there. Just make
0: some noise. I cannot tell if there's a bass being played in this or if it's just keyboards that are sitting really low. Either way, like, you know, this is another... Like, you're not used to having that sonic space filled in a Slater Kenny song.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it. it's it's interesting because it's, like... It's way more produced than their previous albums, I think. Or yeah. it's a different style of production. Yeah. But it works. Um, yeah. I you think- know, like, I... I don't know. I, I took it. Spent as anyone who's listened to the show knows. It took me a long time to get away from the, the view that you know, production was bad.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so that you know, like that's still something I fight. Yeah. But I, I do think that. I think good production is important.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Just think of, like, we were talking about New Day Rising earlier. Yeah. Just think if that was produced with the with mixed... <laughs> just just basic competence. Mixed with somebody who knew what they were doing. Like, yeah. yes. like it'd be so much of a, a better record. Yes.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Like, I would have hated this record in 1997. Like, I, I absolutely would have just been fucking angry. And I suppose, like, the people who are OG Sleater Kinney fans who have trouble with this, like, are probably, you know, just... Honestly, like, All Hands on the Bad One is not produced that much better than than New Day Rising. Um, And I guess if you're used to that, you know... Well, I mean, fuck, we we have, like, concrete results. Like, when Husker Du made a very well-produced album, like... Or not well produced, because it is poorly produced. But when Husker du made a record that people put some effort into producing, <laughs> the established fan base hated it.
1: Not only the established fan base, everyone hates
0: it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
1: Which is weird, because it, it's not... Other than it being on a major label... And it was their second major label record, right?
0: Well, no, I'm talking Candy Apple.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, that's Warehouse is first, though, right?
0: No, Warehouse was. Second. Oh, okay. And they'd figured it out a little bit better by then.
1: It just is. I mean, like, uh, there's no shame in having like professionals recording yeah. music. Like, that's <laughs> this that's is not a that's not a sign of weakness.
0: Yeah. DIy is nice but like it, it, it it's not something to aspire to oh, um moving on to restless so this is the one you said sounded like i yeah. think you're right that that's that is that
1: it does to me sound like it could be a an outtake for exile and guyville
0: yeah it's the same same vibe exactly the, the first note i have like you know basically every other show we make the observation that if you're just like going through kicking ass you gotta have a song where you take your foot off the gas here's this one it's a really nice like it's just this nice simple relationship song yeah and I mean it
1: just is I think it just what struck me is just like you know kind of like this is sort of the this is the territory that Liz Fair minds a lot you know kind of this like this like you know, kind of shitty feeling about personal interaction.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's it's so nicely put together. I love the I love the chorus. I love like just the, the lines are nice. The I've learned to love the ugliest things, like you and me, and me and you, and, and just the, the delivery of that is great. The solo is like I don't know. I, I I love the way Carrie Brownstein plays guitar. Like she just she has this this really distinct phrasing and like just everything she does sounds kind of angular um the solo in this has that but it's like in this sparse spare thing it's just it's great it's it's fantastic you know not the song of the year but like it probably not a song that I'm ever gonna really be like I'm building a mix you know I'm building a playlist I need to put this on but if you're listening to the record like you need this here and then I always appreciate it here uh, anything else on it so. No, i'm
1: i'm ready to feast on nostalgia
0: so <laughs> the ruins this is so important that it's in all caps as with love
1: yeah it's uh it's a uh, i don't know i got I, my notes say dark slow core ballad yeah and as i write that i'm not even sure what slow core means that's one of those things that i say a lot that i'm yeah. not even sure what that means because people tell me that low is a slowcore
0: core band uh, as far as i can tell i've got this like Tautology in my head that low before the Great Destroyer, like like slowcore by definition is anything did before <laughs> the Great Destroyer,
1: like in metal, like that. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I also I don't know I got a weird like uh, Trent Reznor movie score vibe from yeah, the song.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty legit. I so you know that I, I bleh, what am I gonna say.
1: Is, Were you gonna say that you can't read the lyric "Gonna leave the light on for you" without thinking about that stupid Motel Six Tom Baudet commercial, where he's like, no. "I'm Tom i and we'll leave the light on for you."
0: Uh, so fuck you. That that connection was not in my head, but now it will be forever. Um, I so it's always been clear to me that this song is about something very dark. Uh, you know, like duh. I thought it was. I've always read it as just kind of like the vibe in 2018 to 2019. Um, Some of the reviews that I was reading were arguing that this is specifically about, you know, the phenomenon of Donald Trump and MAGA and and maybe, you know, because there's all this like first person talking to a, you know, they they start out calling it a demon and it's like this dark force and, you know, are you into nostalgia, you know, like you can definitely make the argument that they're directly addressing Trump and, and MAGA. Um, whatever the fuck it is, like this is kind of how it, you now again, how it felt back then. Are you
1: a hundred, now, just bear with me here, can you make the case that it isn't a prequel for the song after Midnight?
0: The Clapton song?
1: Correct. Because the first line is before Midnight. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and, like, nothing about this song is talking about letting it, or we're going to let it all hang out, right? Like, <laughs> like, perhaps it's their, like, call and answer. To maybe, it.
0: you know. Uh, maybe there's some prophecy involved here, and, like, when we move out of the present darkness, we're going to let it all hang out.
1: Except in that model, Eric Clapton is, like, the good period. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, you take the good with the bad.
1: I just hope that I, I guess I just want somebody to take a shot at the ball, shot across the ball. Eric Clapton.
0: I, I mean, always ready. Yeah. Fuck him. Um, I sonically like this is a, this song just sounds fucked up. Like, and I love it, but like nothing here sounds like a natural instrument going into a microphone and not being like. Tortured by effects.
1: I think though, when you have the lyrics smack the buildings, eat the place, destroy all day, eat the weak and devour the saved, you know, it's you're probably not gonna. It's probably not gonna be a Smash Mouth song. You know yes, what i like, cool. You know, it's not gonna be a you know like a fun one.
0: So those lines, I have I have like stacked feelings about those lines. Where like I think they're great. You know, like, like they're great as they are. They're evocative. They're delivered really well. They also, I just, I cannot get this out of my head, that they are delivered with the exact same rhythm that's in my head um, when I read The Hobbit and the dwarves are fucking trolling Bilbo and they're like, smash the plates in. You know, like, like that's just, to me, that's what it sounds like.
1: So I think we've arrived. It's somewhere between a response to After Midnight <laughs> and Tolkien. Or like a eulogy for for twenty nineteen 2019 America. You know, so it's one of those yeah, three. Great, it's on that continuum.
0: Great art has <laughs> many meanings. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I feel like you know. Bottom line, this is like this is a mood song. It's got this like paranoid beat and weird sounds and chanted chorus, and it just. That gives it this like oppressive psychological feeling, and it's really fucking long. That makes it, you know, sound oppressive. I just it, it's, you know, another song. I'm there, There's no world where I'm ever gonna put this on a playlist. But I love experiencing. You know, to me, like listening to this record is kind of like. Well, let's let's open let's open the difficult room and like go in there and like this this is part of that experience.
1: I feel like it's if the person in college who like came out every three days and was always wearing a ministry shirt was the song <laughs> this is what it would be. Yeah,
0: I think that's that's pretty fair. I, I love that um I love that there's you know around three minutes forty seconds in there's like this just some fucking freak out that might be a theremin. it might be A guitar being tortured, I'm not sure. It fucking sounds awesome.
1: Are there a lot of people that know how to play the theremin?
0: More than I would expect. I was just... I had the radio on the other day, and for some reason, the guy DJing The Current was just like, it's theremin morning. (laughs) He was just... Every song he was playing had a theremin in it, and there are, you know... More than you, more than I expected. How much would I have to
1: pay you to go to Guitar Center and ask them what they had in the, in the way of theremins?
0: Oh fuck, I would do that for free. <laughs> I I have come so close. The, the only thing stopping me from building my own theremin theremin is just you know because there are theremin kits that you can get. Like I, I couldn't like go to Axman and just build one well, from so parts. That would but. be rad
1: if you just if you just <laughs> rolled in there and you're like, what are you looking for? I'm building a theremin. <laughs>
0: Man, I mean, you're treated like royalty. I'm if you sure. Like they would it. be so into that. <laughs> the only thing stopping me from getting a theremin kit is that I have that, like, Korg chaos pad thing that's, you know, functionally the same thing. True, yeah. Um. I, and, you know, I'm going to live a while yet. I, I, I would not put it past me to have a theremin by the time I die. <laughs>
1: Really, that K-Oscillator should have a theremin attachment, right? Yeah,
0: fucking it. It's got yeah. It it functionally it has sounds that are pretty close. Um,
1: but I mean, they should have like theremin mode where you can like
0: just yep. m- move it around. Yeah. I, uh, that uh, that is purely an engin- an engineering challenge. You know, uh, that is very solvable. the uh, last note I have on this. The. It's interesting to me how many of their songs just kind of present situations where the narrator seems to be in a relationship. And, like, that's just kind of one of the parameters of whatever else is going on, you know? So it's not the focus, but it's just... And if I'm talking about this thing, and yes, as I'm doing this, I am in a relationship with a person. Um, And I feel like that's kind of part of what I was talking about earlier with, like, this record having this kind of adult emotional sense... You know, because like, it's not universal, but that's kind of the way most—that's the situation most people find themselves in in their forties.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean I don't think it's a secret that like being in a relationship with another person is hard, like because people are hard.
0: But but it, it is also like you know it it can be a thing to navigate and it can be a source of strength and. Um, well, for sure. You know, but it, it's also this like it's it's this different thing from like. The stereotypical, like, 50s rock that's all just like, I'm a teenager and I like this girl. Or, you know, or even, like, like last time we talked, like, Teenage Head, like, most of those songs were basically like, I'm a young man with a boner. And Which like, has
1: got to be weird when you start to hit, the, like, the casino circuit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Where you're just like, Really? We're gonna do it. All
0: right, let's do it. Yeah, okay, I'm, oh, I'm a 39 year old man <laughs> with a boner. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, this is just very. It's a very different headspace where you're just like I'm telling a story, and an element of the story is I'm partnered up, and you know, and I just I, I appreciate that. That's that's a nice thing. Um, the other all caps song, love.
1: Yeah. I was, which I was tempted to sing a theme to the love boat there but I, I declined for everyone's
0: benefit uh, so a friend of mine on the internet has been just is, will just, his hobby is just like locking on to like things from the past and being like I'm going to go deep on this And he's been going deep on the love boat apparently if you watch enough love boat there is one with a I mean it's not explicit because it's 70s you know, seventies network TV, but an uncomfortable Jeffrey Tambor sex scene. <laughs> and
1: it's impossible for me to picture Jeffrey Tambor as a young man.
0: He looks he's in like he he's in like Hank Kingsley mode. Okay. I, I think he he started looking like Hank Kingsley, you know, the day he graduated from college <laughs> and stayed looking like that until he started looking, you know, until he moved into his arrested development look. But, yeah, it ain't good. He, I, I've i seen the clip, and it's not something you want to see. Uh, um, Going in a much more positive direction. I, I love this song. It's a total change of vibe after Ruins. It's just like a simple, positive, upbeat.
1: Yeah, it's one. almost got like a... Uh, my first thought was Devo, but I don't think that's right. I think it's more like an 80s, like... Like it just has an '80s production quality.
0: Team. Yeah, yeah, you know, total like. If a lot of their stuff gets thrown into punk, like this sounds like post-punk, um, and and that's great. That, that fucking John Parelius article, like he was just shitting on this song, and I'm just like, how? What do you hate? Fun? What? what yeah, is that, with I these? mean.
1: Tuned it down to C. Turned the amp to ten. Like that's a pretty cool line.
0: Yeah, I. So you know, I, I'm pretty sure this song. It's like the the classic thing of like a rock song about rocking out. And I think it's just like them, kind of telling their story. And yeah. like it, it's fucking great. And it's such a nice thing to be like, we're gonna tell the story of the band in a song, and we're gonna call it love. And how nice is that? And it does kind of fucking suck that then the drummer leaves right after. But uh
1: it's so I I guess the like the whole the whole song is like Henry Rowland's post Black Flag stick, right? Like he talks about like what it was like to be like all he does is talk about like what it was like to be in Black Flag. Yeah. You know, it was so hard. Like that's like this song.
0: Except that this song is kind of joyous.
1: Yeah, right, without all the joy. Even
0: when they're talking about like difficulty, you know, like things are looking up, we're only down a grand, like they sound happy.
1: That's true. His, his, although he, I think he tries, I think he makes it sound like it's miserable because he thinks that's like some kind of badge of honor. Yeah,
0: and then maybe he thinks that's what people expect from him. I, um, I I love the line about nothing more, I don't remember exactly what, but nothing more obscene than a well worn body demanding to be seen. I, you know, alternately, uh, I, I think about guitars a lot. So at, at first I honestly interpreted that as like, oh, she's singing about her guitar. It's all beat up. And I'm like, no, no, she's fucking singing about the experience of being a woman in your forties and like having society saying like, yeah, fuck you. We don't have time for you. But, uh, I, I do love that, you know, there, there's, there's a specifically rock and interpretation you can attach to it. There's too.
1: also gotta be just like, a, I mean, just sort of the inherent sexism of the whole deal where people were, you know she's grappling with this as a woman in her 40s but you got yeah. fucking mick jagger up there prancing around in his 70s right yeah like it's just like that sort of that sort of imbalance has got to be annoying isn't the right isn't a strong enough yeah word no for it's it. just gotta be it's
0: Maddening. gotta be yeah it's like angri in your bones um i you know I, so I, I don't think that line is about guitars but like I have a note here to to make a point that like part of my general appreciation of Carrie Brownstein like I, I just I always fucking love her choice in guitars um you know she's um she like me is a member of the SG and Telecaster Club and but hers are always much nicer than mine um
1: 6 like, or 7 string <laughs>
0: I am very happy to say that neither of those <laughs> guitars come in seven string varieties. So uh, <laughs>
1: You're gonna regret telling me the guitars came in seven string <laughs> varieties.
0: Oh man. <sighs> fuck that. I just, fuck that.
1: Can I get can I get it but with like two extra bass strings?
0: I mean, yes. Uh, some lunatic one thing that looking at guitars on Instagram has taught me is that like some fucking lunatic will make you whatever. There's this other thing of, um, I mean, there's all kinds of things, but there's this trend of, like, scallop, or not scalloped, um I don't even know what the adjective is, but, like, frets that aren't at a 90-degree angle to the, the neck and are at, like, this variable angle kind of radiating up from some zero point to give you, like, slightly better intonation, but, like, Impossible to play. Yeah, like, like whatever muscle memory you have from a normal guitar is just out the door, and you're never going to be able to play. You know, certainly any bar chord. Um, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's a strange. Is it so? Is it more sloped as you get closer
0: to the? It, it depends on what the zero point is. You you basically when you are custom ordering one of these because no fucking factory would make them. You tell them like you know where you play the most, and so if you mostly play the seventh fret, they would be at right angles on the seventh fret, and like then you know slope, like radiate outward from that.
1: What a bizarre idea!
0: Yeah, it's a bad. Fucking I mean, you'd idea. have to
1: be. I feel like you'd have to be really, really good. You'd have to have really good pitch to tell the difference.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's like, like, that's the thing. You, you're doing that. For no one, like, no one on the planet can appreciate the difficulty you've put yourself through playing the guitar. I don't know. Um, anyway, love, great fucking song. Yeah, I love it yeah, for sure. Um, bad dance. I just fucking barn burner to me, like this is this is the record. Um, if you
1: ever have you ever heard the band Sleigh Bells, no. This is what kind of what it sounds like to me, like the big guitars, with, okay. uh, like poppy sort of vocals. Yeah. Um, I also wrote like or like No Doubt with more heroin.
0: Oh, this is so much cooler than No Doubt, man. Fuck <sighs> off. Oh, to me, this is just this is like
1: I like dark No Doubt. That's also that, like.
0: <laughs> I just I love the vibe of this. Like the world is ending. Let's fucking party. Yeah, dark No Doubt. <laughs> I, I suppose. Too. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh you know like uh, this is this was absolutely the feeling in 2019 this is absolutely still often the feeling
1: um, Yeah I mean there, there are some great lyrics too like dip your toes in the chaos Yeah it'll feel just like a
0: cure Yeah Yeah like, I just I mean like like honestly that's in the as whatever the fuck is going on goes on like I one of the one of the ways to approach it and maybe the healthiest way is to look at it and just be kind of exhilarated by like, well, the if the fucking structures are on fire, then let's, you know, take advantage of the freedom afforded by that. You know, like, if you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. So, <laughs> I can go out. It's
1: reminiscent of freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, you know, it's you know, sonically, I, I fucking love the way the drums... There isn't much going on, and then the drums come in on the chorus, and it's just like... Boom, shh, boom, uh, just, uh, it, it's fucking... My, uh, Weiss did some great shit on her way out, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I, I love the way that there's a bass going that just like... It's not really... It's on rhythm, but it just kind of is like plonking out these like... Yeah. Blah, 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 stabs that are like kind of not lined. You know, they're lined up with other things happening, but they're not doubling anything that's happening. It's just kind of it's its own fucking weird thing.
1: I just yeah, I kind of like it when the bass isn't like super regimented. Yeah. Like when it's sort of, you know, like jazzy. I
0: yeah. Know. You know, another song that is kind of doing in bass what this does, but like with a totally different vibe is uh Bowie's Fame. Yeah? You know, like like it just like there's just blah, Blah. And like nothing else is hitting those notes but like you hear them and it just it all adds up to like just
1: yeah no, wild on shit I mean I I actually really like this song I think like that's it's probably one of my favorite songs on the album
0: yeah same I I had this so you know again like listening back to our old our our back catalog there's like there's some point in the uh in the Uncle Tupelo stretch where we're talking about, like, great albums, you know, and, like, how you make a great, you know. uh, We're talking about, like, the characteristics of great albums, and one of the things that we're talking about is that, like, usually, you know, a great album, the pattern is usually, like, the opener is great, the first half of it is great, and kind of, like, the, you know, percentile 51 through 75 is where it gets soft. Um, and, and I think that holds most of the time. But like this song and like the songs around it kind of makes me think like this is this weird thing where like to me at least this is an undeniably great album. And I think a lot of its greatness, like, like it's good all the way through, but like the fucking Apex songs are kind of all towards the back. Or not all, but like a lot of them towards the back, like way more than usual.
1: Yeah, it is an interesting mm. sequencing like it yeah I feel like a lot of great albums also have the have the last song that's just a that's just a like leaves you with that
0: yeah it just sets it home and, and this one you know I guess we'll get there pretty soon um, it's a it, it, yeah we'll get there uh, future is here
1: yeah, it's sort of like, I don't know, this is like a midpoint between, like, indie rock and, like, electronica for me.
0: Yeah, I can see that, for like, sure.
1: Like, I, I love the way that guitars, like, they're they're sort of mixed quietly in the background, but they're, yeah. really, they're really on brand. Like, they really just hit for me.
0: Yeah, they're, you know, typically great guitar work. To me, like, you know, to me, thinking about the mental state of 2019, you know, there were kind of two ways you could be, and one of them was like angry, bad dance mode, where you know, just like I'm fucking tired of this and I'm taking energy from my anger. And you know, anger can be power, have fury, let fury have the hour. Uh, the, the other mode is this one where you're just you know, like this song is like so subdued and glum, and like that is. <laughs> that was then and and is often now um and i just I, I love that they have these two back to back like that
1: yeah no it's a, i mean it's it's a, i don't i don't know that I, I have the reverence for the album that you do but
0: i'm I, I said it was a lonely war
1: but i mean i don't i don't hate it i don't hate it like like i think it's a good album yeah i mean i, I wonder just like some of that like backlash where that comes from just where I don't know. I just can't quite piece it together. What you'd be, what you'd be listening to here that you would be like so offensive to you that
0: I think it's the I think it's the established fan thing. You know, I think, and I mean, like, if we talked about Wilco Star Wars, I would probably be more, <laughs> more negative than I should be. You know, I think Lucifer. Lucifer was you know at least they were trying something. It wasn't for me. It was not for me. Um,
1: I feel like that's what it would look like if I tried to hit major league pitching. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well put. Uh, with this song, I, you know, I, this is another one where, like, the speaker is living an adult life, talking to someone that they have some kind of established relationship with. And, like, I love that that trope comes back. I just, I love the vibe of this because, like, this is a thing that I think about a lot, honestly, that, you know, like,. <sighs> When my brain was getting, when I was growing up and my brain was getting wired, you know, like whatever my sense as a new adult was for what the present is and what the future is or what the future would be like compared to that, we are in the future and the future is not at all what I fucking expected. And it's kind of, you know, it, it either sucks or at least it's so weird that it's hard to grapple with and human connection is what we've. What we've got in it. Yeah. And, and, and I love that. I love that that's the song.
1: I mean, I just always assumed the future was prisons and math.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, man. Also, fucking, yeah. Salute. Um, okay. But so now I'm going to blow your mind oh, boy, about this go. song. Um, so I said that when I saw them tour this in October. Um, the, the, like that show was great. And it was. The opening act was one of the worst fucking things I have ever seen and I have seen a lot of bad fucking opening acts. The opening act was this just asshole whose name I refuse to look up. <laughs> whose shtick was that he would come out and sing opera in Italian. And he had a screen behind him that would like have the translation of what he was singing and it was you know it was wacky and so he's like singing and it's just like I like to eat his sandwiches but it's in Italian. Um, you know, and it just it, it it was funny for a minute and a half and then like was awful for like twenty five minutes. You know, just like it it was it was painful to sit through.
1: So the only way that that would have been awesome is if the guy had dressed like that, like that character in The Running Man.
0: <laughs> yes, that would have been much better. He was, I'm pretty sure he was just in a tux.
1: Because that would have been.
0: That would have been fucking sweet. Uh, but, you know, so so it was like this this terrible musical comedy act. But I was horrified to find out that that guy is from Portland. And the reason he was opening for them was that Tucker and Brownstein had seen him perform in Portland and were like, oh, this guy is so funny. And they actually wrote this song for him to do. Really? Yes. So, like, the song was originally supposed to be, uh, you know, I don't know if it was going to be like Italian comedy opera, but it was like written for this guy. And so I
1: guess that maybe I'm just missing the comedy aspect of that. Yeah. Is it supposed to be funny because he's singing about nonsense? Yeah, yeah,
0: and like yeah, basically. And my brain has purged out the specifics of the nonsense. I think it was stuff, you know, it was just it was just it was like the most annoying person in your dorms idea. It was like if the legendary character that I roomed with my freshman year who liked to yell sex, "Donkeys, sex with donkeys." If that guy could fucking speak Italian, this would be his act.
1: Yeah, I just don't... I, I feel like it would be like seeing, like, Tony Clifton or something. Yeah, same. Like, you'd just be like, like, what am I missing here? Yeah.
0: And so it cracks my brain in half that they wrote this, like, yeah. magnificent, honest song for some fucking stupid clown to sing. I don't know. Um... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, the dog, the body. The dog, the body. body.
1: Um, I do, really, like, two things I really I really like. Even though it's simple again, I really like the chorus.
0: Yeah, I do too. I, they're just, like, huge fucking sound explosion.
1: Yeah. And then I also like the line that I'm just the fist without the will to fight. Yeah. Like... You know, I'm I'm just the dog, I'm just the body tonight, I'm just the fist without the will to fight. Like I've I feel like that's a really powerful line.
0: That's fantastic. Like, to me, this feels like a poem that like grew into a song. And I don't mean that in any you know, not trying to shit on it. but just that's this feels like this was words and then they were like, Okay, well let's let's put something to this. Yeah.
1: I'm just the trick without the magic. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's really it, it's a good. It really encapsulates the you know kind of the mood of the album.
0: Yeah, that feeling that I'm just existing. Yeah, I, I love. So this has a bass intro that you know that is like the least Slater Kenny old school thing you could possibly do. Uh, maybe that's why people are mad. To me, like like on the record, like I like this on the record. Live, this was fucking huge when they went into the like the baby baby. I don't mind. Yeah, that just you know like. Bam! It just knocked the Palace Theater to its.
1: So I guess I could see why people would object to the next song, maybe. Really. Because it's sort of a, it's almost, like it feels like a jazz standard ballad
0: to me. Kind of. Uh, to me, like, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's quiet and it's. It's like piano driven. It's yeah. almost. It's like you
1: wouldn't be you wouldn't be surprised to see like Diana Krall sing this.
0: Yeah. To me, this one is. Broken's hard to listen to because it is so rawly about something that was hard to experience. Yeah. You know, like, I just, I really appreciate that, like, they, instead of going for, like, the big you know, tomahawk dunk ender, they're just like, okay, let's, let's be as nakedly emotionally as possible about the world we're living in. You know, yeah, I just—I
1: don't know. I, for me, it just doesn't really fit with the album.
0: Oh, I—I I feel like it's like what the rest of the album is building to.
1: Uh, it did, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on Fair that.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I, you know, normally I don't think it would be a good idea to end an album like this, but like on an album that is this of its time, like I feel like that's, you know, you've sharpened the pencil so much that here's here's the point. Like this is where we're at. It, it yeah, it, it's not fun to listen to at all. I think it's like you
1: sharpened the pencil and then you fucking stabbed it into my heart.
0: That's exactly it. Yeah, I, you know, depending on the circumstances under which I am listening to this album, like, I am always very glad that this song is here, but depending on how sad I'm ready to be, I don't think listen to it or not.
1: It can only take so much energy, right? Like,
0: yeah, that's, uh, yeah, so, I mean, if, you're, if you've if you listened this far, you know this, but just to put it out, you know, for posterity. The song is explicitly about Christine Blasey Ford and her testimony about Brett Kavanaugh and just how fucking terrible that all was. And, like, that was, you know, I I remember, like, I multiple therapy sessions I kicked off talking about, like, well, I was listening to the Kavanaugh hearings again today, and I feel fucking terrible. Um, now the song sounds like the output of a horrible grind, and
1: yeah I mean, you know what the nice thing is you know Brett Kavanaugh's totally redeemed himself
0: yeah exactly like he,
1: <laughs> like he hasn't succumbed to any of the any <laughs> of the things we thought
0: there have been no consequences right. of it
1: yep it's just been there's been clear sailing
0: man fuck fuck that guy fuck fuck his entire institution Yeah. um yeah so you know like it's a slow sad Song because it was a slow, sad time, and you know, I, I get, I absolutely get why it's not, you know, why it's not, why why you're not like, no, you must.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't know, I, you know, like I'm, I'm all for the the naked, raw, emotion. It's just hard. It, it just, I don't know. The sequencing for me is just off yeah. maybe if it was earlier that would i would be more into it i don't know
0: yeah but then again like how do you follow this you know like what what, what do you where do you go after i, don't know, I suppose other people on candy apple gray they had something after uh, hardly getting over it i don't remember what
1: i appreciate you twisting the knife like like that was like this does you know like seeing Grant Hart perform some of those <laughs> candy apple gray songs solos, like mm. one of the one of the lowest points of my life. That was like, that
0: was as sad as this song, just in a different way.
1: Lowest point? Not. It's not fair. Lowest point of like shows. Like I felt bad for him.
0: Yes. Yeah, that was tough. Oh well, I can we we can be done talking about that song. Um, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite song from this? Yeah, probably.
1: I mean, I think my favorite song is probably. Maybe Bad Dance? Yeah. Or, I don't know, Love is pretty good, too. Those. Know, what's were, your favorite song?
0: The, my note is Bad Fucking Dance or Maybe Love. So, I think, I think, you know, we land in the same place there. Do you have a verdict on the record? Uh-oh,
1: uh oh. Quite good. Uh, pause. Got to
0: pause this for a second. Okay, doorbell interruption there, we are back. Um, I think I was gonna ask you verdict on the record. I liked
1: it. Uh, you know, I think I think it's helpful your sort of preface about the time that it was recorded, yeah. like in the mood. That's, you know, that is that is a helpful piece of context.
0: To me, yeah. I mean, to me, that's it's just inseparable, um, you know, and, and, and I know, like, that's probably my subjective thing, but, you know, music's subjective. Yeah, you know, and to me, like that's my verdict. It's like I just I fucking love this record because it is so close to capturing the way that time felt, and like at that time, it just was so fucking valuable to hear. You know, this well-executed musical exploration of like what the fuck is happening to us. Um, yeah, so.
1: It's kind of like listening to CCR without the context of the Vietnam War. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Like, it's just a different thing.
0: Yeah, totally. What are these guys so mad about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so if we are done talking about the center won't hold, um, what what do we got next?
1: Oh, we're going to get weird, and we're going to explore uh, the quirks of Jonathan Richmond. Oh, with, fuck. The, with the modern lovers. Modern lovers.
0: Oh, fuck yes. You know, Jerry Harrison is going to be playing. He's playing at First half pretty soon. For real? Yeah, with um, with Adrian Blue. So oh, cool! It, it's going to be like Talking Heads focused and yeah. Modern Lovers focused. Oh, that'd
1: be cool. I would go to that. Yeah,
0: I think that'd be pretty good. I am. Oh man, that's going to be pretty fun. Yeah. You. I, I assume you're going to be flying the Massachusetts flag, just like nonstop. Yeah, we'll see. Excellent. <laughs> no promises. Stoked for that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Um, I am Keith. You know, I always used to give my Twitter handle, but I don't know if Twitter is going to exist much longer.
1: Yeah, I. You know, it's sometimes you. <laughs> sometimes you get the bull. Sometimes you get the horns. <laughs>
0: um, you can find me for now on Twitter at Keith Pilly. Um, uh, if Twitter goes down, you can find me. Pretty much anywhere else at either at Keith Pilly or at Pilly Keith. Um,
1: I'm actually launching a new social media platform that's just going to be called the Cowards Guar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> from from your from your mouth to God's ears, man. That's right. <laughs> um, it, 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 we would love to hear from you, whatever channel you can find to reach us. Uh, if there's anything about the show you liked or didn't like, um, you know, as always, if you think we suck. Um, if you do not think we suck, if you liked the show, please tell people about it or go to wherever you found the show and uh, leave a review. That does matter, it, it actually makes the algorithms more likely to recommend us. Um, We live to serve the algorithms. All hail the algorithm. (laughs) Uh, Peace out. May the algorithm be with you.